Life is a canvas. Listen as Dr. Allison R. Tendler and her guests paint the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and business leaders on her podcast, The Art of Seeing Clearly. Through insightful questions and thought-provoking conversation, Allison and her guests explore the essence of what it means to truly experience life, business, entrepreneurship, love, success, and even failure through a clearer lens. I'm your host, Dr. Allison R. Tendler, board-certified ophthalmologist, surgeon, owner, and CEO of Art Vision and Artisan Skin and Laser Center. I literally get to work every day to help people see better on the 2020 eye chart. But true clarity in life and in business often requires a slightly different kind of vision. I happen to have a passion for learning how other entrepreneurs and leaders find their clarity, and I want to share with you some of their secrets to success. On today's episode, I get to talk with Beth Jensen. Beth is a Sioux Falls native and news director for Kello TV. She is the winner of the 2019 Community Service Award and has been active in more than 30 different organizations and community events over the past two decades, growing from chairing and volunteering for various charitable events to taking on leadership roles on important nonprofit boards. A graduate of Boston University, Beth has had a stellar career in journalism with roles as reporter, producer, executive producer, and now news director. She's also a dear friend and someone I'm excited to speak with today. Beth, welcome to The Art of Seeing Clearly. So Beth, welcome to The Art of Seeing Clearly. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. We are excited to have you as well. Um, This is going to just be awesome. So you've had this amazing career in media and journalism. And I really want to know, why did you ever decide on that path? What was it that was your why? Well, I think I didn't really have a choice. I grew up. Oh, there you are. Forced? Forced labor? No. Well, (laughs) in a loving way, maybe. Um, I grew up in a home. Both of my parents were print journalists. They actually met um, when they were each the editor of their college newspaper at like some Big Ten editors conference. My mom was the editor of the paper at Nebraska and my dad was the the editor of the paper at Missouri. And when they started their careers, they um, were both working at the Minneapolis Star when I was born. Okay. And then my mom ended up um, leaving journalism and teaching, but taking the more like volunteer route. And then my dad stayed in journalism professionally his whole career. And so when I was little, like in grade school, we used to have to bring um, like a newspaper article to the dinner table. (laughs) discuss things. And so even from grade school, I can remember, um, I found something when I was going through boxes a few months ago, like a a thing that I had drawn when I was in like grade school, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I drew a man. (laughs) I'm going to be my dad. Uh, What am I going to be? Because men are the ones who do this. Yeah, exactly. But for sure, video was the dark side for them. You know, they're very traditional print journalists. Um, and you know, consider that to be more substantive and um, more the the news of record of the day. But I just really felt a connection to video. I'd rather watch something and listen about it than just read about it. And so, from a very early age, I knew I loved the video piece. And of course, they were super supportive. I mean, to go into the family business, and um, yeah. And so then, that's what I've always wanted to do. 
Wow. Wow. You know, I don't think I ever knew that. So that's a, that's phenomenal. Um, so interesting. Your parents were both in, in the industry. They had you do that. I've had somebody else who I visited with in the past who like their parents. Yes. Like taught them how to do things just naturally without even really teaching them. That. So, but they're, they're bringing you lessons by having you learn about the world, learning about what they do. Um, I had some other people whose parents were entrepreneurs. And so they grew up with this entrepreneurial mindset and you grew up with this journalism mindset. So it, it's what you knew. It becomes what you love too. Interesting. Very much so. Yeah. And I, you know, my dad worked a lot of crazy hours as a lot of journalists do. So I spent a ton of time running around the newspaper when I was little, I would go, you know, I, it just, it was very much like in the DNA of our family. Yeah. So we talked about current events and, you know, my dad would be um, <laughs> very engaged in work at all hours and I'd be soaking it up thinking, okay, yeah, I like this. This feels really good. It felt really natural to me. I like speaking. I like writing. I like communicating. Um, so I was like, oh yeah, this checks a lot of boxes for me. It, that is, that is truly fascinating. You've covered, I'm sure thousands of stories in your lifetime and your career. What's one that's stuck with you or that you're really proud of? That's always so hard. People ask that a lot. And um, oh, I'm sorry to be boring. I shouldn't ask the same <laughs> no, questions no, that other people I just do. Don't, it's so funny because like, no, it's because people want to know. I mean, of course, um, the the Spencer tornado is one. Um, the 9-11 affected everyone. I mean, it always seems to be the tragedies that you remember on such a visceral level. You know, you're just like, you know, grappling with what's happening and seeing it all unfold. Um, you know, it's also, but, you know, there's day-to-day -day stuff that is, is also fascinating. We always joke around here, like we're so in, um, immersed in whatever is happening that day. And then a week later, we'll be like, now, what was it on last Tuesday? <laughs> it's like, maybe it's a coping yeah. skill, or maybe it just has to do with the, the volume of content that we're constantly, um, yeah. working with, but yeah, yeah. I, 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 some some journalists are really good at answering that question. I wish I was. I'm sorry. How about something from like junior high? What was a story you were proud of in junior high? Oh my gosh. Um, something you're like, this was a project <laughs> I did and I nailed it. Wow. That's a really good question too. I thought maybe that would be funner than the one I just asked. No, they're all, they're all good. Um, when I was in junior <laughs> high and high school, I was in a lot of theater and debate and oral and terp. Um, and then I was involved in the school newspaper. Um, I was my class graduation speaker. I was very proud for high school. You had to audition for that. <laughs> I Lincoln and Sioux Falls here. So See, I did. and those things, I'm so glad there are people like you out there that just gravitate towards all these things because those <laughs> would make me move the opposite direction. It's really great <laughs> how we have different gifts. Absolutely. And when I, while I am so in awe of what you do, I would have gotten weeded out like at the very earliest level of your education and your oh. process. Yes. But I look at somebody like you and I'm just in awe of just that natural ability to communicate, um, come up with things off the top of your head and sound so eloquent, eloquent and just like amazing. I, that's why I am. I, I bow to you, Miss Beth. Oh, so please, I'm bowing right back. And that's very nice of you to say, but I feel the same <laughs> about all that you do, too. Oh, well, let's talk a little bit about your, your world, your, your industry. I mean, media has changed so much over the last, you know, I'll say five, 10, 20 years. What are your thoughts on 
that. What are your thoughts on where media is is coming? And your dad is, I mean, it's all going digital now, dad, but there's yeah. still some, yes, there's still some wonderful written journalism. I still get the newspaper. Um, but tell me about your thoughts on media and, and just the progression over the last several decades that you've even been in the business. Yeah, I think it's exciting. I, I, it's, it's definitely changing um, how we deliver the news, how people receive their news. I mean, I can remember growing up in my house, my parents' home, and we would watch the news every night. We would sit down, and my mom would say, "We'll talk about that after the weather." Like, you know, we'll let me watch the news. Okay, yep, just wait till wait till the weather's over because you have to watch the weather to know what's going to come up. You make your kids watch the news. No, my, I did when I was growing up. No, I'm just, no. I was just asking off the cuff. It's, it's always on, okay. you know, I mean, if I'm not, and I record it, <laughs> you know, oh, like wow. do, I record all the newscasts. So I watch them even if I'm not home. Um, so they very much are aware and they have opinions and they're very engaged also. Um, I don't, neither one of them um, will probably go into this and that's okay, but they're very, um, they are very aware of what's going on. But yes, yeah, so when I was in high school, um, you know, there was like there was a TV journalism class and I feel like I, it didn't fit into my schedule. I was more focused on the print paper. Even in college, I went to um, Boston University to study broadcast journalism, but the print paper was still like the you know, it was a very prestigious part of the journalism school. And so I was more involved in the print paper then. But in when I graduated, then I was hired um, here in Sioux Falls at KDLT where I'd interned. And it was very, you know, no website, just straight delivery of the newscasts. I came to Kello in 1996. So I've been here more than 25 years. Um, and Kello did launch a website. I believe it was in 96. So very early on, but it was real primitive. Um, now we, of course, have social media. We have d two different apps. We have, um, you know, streaming content all the time on demand. We really try to be um, platform agnostic and reach people wherever they are. So if you want to watch us on your TV when you get home at six o'clock, perfect, we're there. But if you would like to catch up on that story later, you can catch it streaming online. It's just, it's very, um, it's so much more consumer driven and viewer driven than it was when I started obviously when I was, it was what up. the station wanted before. Yeah, and now right. it's how do we deliver that for the consumer? Who's actually the, not just the viewer, but the listener and the, the user of our platforms. And I can remember when our website started gaining traction, it was a real paradigm shift in the newsroom because people would have these stories. And we were so proud to like debut this scoop at five or six o'clock at night on the news. And also often that meant that like the competition wouldn't be aware of it. So you could kind of hold your cards close to your vest and like be like, we okay, got this amazing story. Yeah, nobody yeah, else yeah. has this, nobody else has this. And then all of a sudden, as we were starting to think on different platforms, we would have big news break at 10 in the morning. And we initially, it was really hard to be like, here it is. <laughs> you know, you have to think of the viewer more than the competitive part because you're like, oh, great. Now everybody's going to know. And so it just um, it is very much more viewer and user centric than it was in the past. And of course, it has to be because people aren't they want the control. If you don't give them what they want when they want it, they'll go somewhere else. So well, that, that, that transcends industries then, I think. <laughs> yes, that's probably true. Actually, you're right. It is about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely transcends uh, any any industries. So what does the future look like to you? 
Um, well, I think it's exciting. You know, it's definitely gone through a lot of changes, but I think for us, local news, nothing has ever been more important than local news, local weather, local sports. Um, there are now fewer voices, fewer places to get that in many communities, including Sioux Falls. Mm-hmm. So it is a greater responsibility for us to provide that kind of relevant content that people want. We have to, um, because if we don't cover content, it's and, and and the other news organizations don't cover content. It's not going to get done. And mm-hmm. I think that credibility is really important because while everyone has a Facebook page or a Twitter account or Instagram, and they can, you know, play the role of reporter by sharing the information they have, it's there also still needs to be um, some vetting of information and reliability and credibility. That's um, something we take incredibly seriously. But it's exciting because it's so fast paced. Do you feel that that's changed with some, um, I'll say, news stations? I'm not talking local. I'm talking national. The, the credibility factor that you're going so hard to get that that authenticity where this is credible news, unbiased. It's just the news. Yeah. How do you I, deal with that? Well, and I think obviously some businesses have found a successful model where it isn't. We take um, neutrality extremely seriously. Like we have conversations about it multiple times a day. Is this fair? Is this balanced? Is this objective? Is this accurate? Um, but obviously we all know different online and on air and, and print digital publications that have more of tend to skew one way or another. And it's been yeah. really successful for them because yeah. people tend to like to hear their views reinforced and like to hear people speak the way they think. Um, and that may, I think that is a challenge because it seems like there's a lot of, um, it's getting kind of fractured, you know, it used to be like, I don't know, (laughs) the sky is blue, the grass is green now. So now it's more like, well, is it? (laughs) Yes. I I find um, I've, I've, certain certain stations that I used to watch, I, I can't listen to anymore. So I'm like, that's your opinion. And I'm not listening for your opinion. I'm listening Absolutely. for the fact I want the story. And and when people are giving me too many of their opinions on what they think, I'm like, I that's that's a turnoff from a news station for me. A hundred percent. I I feel for me personally. That, yeah, that's, no, I feel the same way. And it's frustrating to me when news organizations do that. Um, but again, I understand like, you know, in many cases it's a 24 hour situation and they're trying to fill the time. And also it, that sort of content or that it's um, viewers, it drives it, it, viewer, it, it drives viewers. It yes. So people say, and I, a lot of people will say like, Oh, I don't, I don't want that. But then when they, perhaps when they hear neutral, they do think it goes one way or another. I mean, I still, I get regular, emails from viewers who feel we went too far right or too far left, or we're ignoring this because of some conspiracy or perhaps because of our affiliation with CBS, because they perceive that CBS is a certain way. And I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> we honestly, our, our process is so um, organic and there are so many different voices. It would be very difficult for someone to have an agenda because it go it touches so many people and goes through such a um, hmm. sort of pure process that I really feel confident in what we have and I, I'm happy to defend it. But it is for sure something that we talk a lot more about 
um, than we ever have before. I love hearing that. I, I do. You guys have so much going on and you, like you said, there's so many stories, so many things coming in, so many different platforms. Um, what do you feel your role as a news director then is about? And has that changed? Um, well, I think And how do you so. stay on top of your game, girl? <laughs> I'm a really good team is what it is. So our news department has about 50 uh, part-time and full-time employees, um, news photographers, reporters, um, anchors, digital production assistants, producers, um, lots of different roles. And so we have, and then within that, I have four managers who really are just total rock stars um, in working with their people. So for me, it's more big picture stuff, um, longer strategy things, uh, corporate things, and then really like a lot of personnel. Like I just love my people. And so um, I have a lot of conversations during the day in my office that may or may not have anything to do with news, but have to do with the people who work in our newsroom. And I really love that part of my job a lot. What do you feel is, I mean, you yes, you're coordinating all of these, these people, this team you're leading, you're directing, you've got this big overview that you are then working with the owners of the station as well. But what do you think is the key in leading your team? Do you have any, hey, here's a few tidbits that I live by or that I breathe by when I'm working with my team? Um, I just really believe in authentic leadership. I think, you know, when it's good news or bad news, share it. Um, and celebrate when you can and talk about tough things when you need to. But I just think if we're all authentic, I think that's key. I also think um, kindness is an important value. Um, we've over the last few years talked a lot about how we try to hire kind people. And that doesn't mean, you know, I think kindness is an underrated term, but if you can hire someone who's kind and hardworking and uh, plays well with others. We can teach a lot of the skills that need to come with the job, but you can't teach someone to be kind and thoughtful. So that is honestly a huge thing that we look for. Hmm. Again, something that uh, transcends industries. Same, same with mine in the medical field. We can teach a lot of technical things. We can teach some of the the medical items that um, I don't need somebody having to gone to, you know, nursing or medical school to learn, but that that do help us in our day to day. And if they're kind, good to good team members and uh, good to our patients, we can teach everything else. Yeah, it's true. And it saves so many, so much pain and heartache on the other end. If you can get the right kind yeah. people in the room. Um, and then that too, that gives a different, a variety of life experiences, a variety of viewpoints. Um, and that's what we want too. We don't want everyone agreeing. We want everyone represented. So that's mm -hmm. a goal too. What do you do um, personally that may stand out versus um, other leaders that you've either encountered or worked with? What do you do personally that um, helps lead and direct your team? Um, well, I think what's maybe unique for me versus some of my colleagues or peers with throughout the company is mm -hmm. this is my hometown. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Sioux Falls. I went away for college. I chose to come back. This is where I chose to raise a family, make friends, put down roots. I love Sioux Falls so much. <laughs> um, I love my life here. I love my friends. I, I just, it's such a great place to be. And so I think just the fact that I am so invested in this community and I care so much about it um, 
gives me a unique perspective. And I often think like, because traditionally in this career field, people will jump from market to market, you know, go to a bigger market, um, bigger challenges. And that's what I always thought I wanted to do. I mean, that was a hundred percent my plan when I came back. Then I met my husband who was a police officer and he wasn't allowed to jump, you know, police officers can't jump markets like normal people. They have to start over and it. Oh, I actually didn't know that. Yeah. And so when we decided to um, get engaged and get married, we had a deal that we would stay with his career until he could retire and then it would be my turn. And so that would have been a few years ago now, um, (laughs) probably 10 years ago. And he still will say like, Hey, it's your turn. If you want to go, let's go. Well, of course I don't want to go. I, the longer I've lived here, the more I've loved Sioux Falls and I've seen what a great place it is to raise our kids and to have a life. It's, you know, I talked, I have good friends who are, who do this job in much bigger um, cities all over the country. And I think I'm probably one of the happiest of all of us. You know, I have a great quality of life. And of course, they're always like, you know, oh, South Dakota. I'm like, that's right. I keep keep telling people how bad it is so that nobody else wants to come here. (laughs) Keep out the riffraff. And and ruin our mojo. And it is really special here. And And I just love it so much. And I have had opportunities to leave and to go bigger. Um, And for what? you know, as you get older, you start valuing, I think, better things and different things. Um, And so while it was when I was younger, it was sort of the prestige of going bigger and better. And, you know, gosh, I'm not going to stay in Sioux Falls forever. Now it's Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky I get to be in Sioux Falls forever. I do. I I just love it here. I love this community. That's also how you may personally choose to um, view things and look at things, knowing you. Um, There's there's a way to look at life as, as beautiful, as lovely. And you truly would probably be that anywhere because that also comes from within you, but it is kind of fun to have it be in this town. So, so that reminds me of my favorite story. My mom, um, or piece of advice my mom has given me actually. And it was right before I went off to college in Boston. And of course I wanted to leave. I couldn't wait to get out of Sioux Falls as a teenager. And I'm just, I'm going to go to the East coast and it's going to be great. And it was like days before I left and I was like, Oh my gosh, am I making a mistake? Like, what am I doing? This is why maybe I should just stay here. And my mom told me this um, story about the village wise man who stood at the gate to his village and a couple came down the road and said, we're thinking about moving to your village. Can you tell us what it's like? And the wise man said, tell me about where you came from. And they said, well, it's terrible. Everyone is so rude. It's a very unhappy place. We have no opportunities. It's a miserable place to be. And the wise man said, oh, it's the same way here. And then another couple came down the road and said, we're thinking about moving to our village, your village. Can you tell me what it's like? And the wise man said, tell me about the place you came from. And they said, oh, it's wonderful. The people are so kind. We love it so much. We have such a great life. And the wise man said, oh, it's the same way here. 
And so that yes. gave me so much comfort over the years as I made decisions. And I, when my son went to college this fall, I told him the same thing. It just, it even gets me a little emotional. Thinking that that actually it. gave me like the little, the little chills. <laughs> I do. I think, you know, on a, from a business aspect too, when we're looking at employees, why are they looking to leave? Why are they looking to come somewhere? You know, what, what is, and it's like, well, what, it's almost a similar concept um, as, as people are, are, looking for different opportunities or feel like one location wasn't for them, whatever. But that's a, that's just a, a similar a- analogy that I was thinking of. I think Let me, that all the time too. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about community. Um, you've been so active in charitable uh, and nonprofit work. And I feel, I think in fact, 2019, you won the community service award. Uh, for uh, Sioux Falls. Tell us about that. And what's been one of your favorite organizations that you've worked with or a favorite project um, within the city of Sioux Falls that you've gotten to be a part of that you're like, I'm really proud of this. Oh, gosh. Um, Yeah, it's just something that my parents were always really involved in the community. And so I just felt like, well, that's what I do. That's as soon as I get the chance. And then I still remember, you know, I went to my, I was at my first board was the Helpline Center's advisory board. And I was like, you know, <laughs> right out of college looking around, like, how did I did like, I totally had imposter syndrome. Like, did, why am <laughs> I here? I don't know what to say. Um, I've just been so lucky to be involved with so many great nonprofits right now. I'm involved with three. I don't know. I, I am the chair of Sioux Falls Thrive, the board of directors. And it is so amazing because Thrive focuses on both the social piece of our community and the the business piece of our okay. community. And the belief is that Sioux Falls has always grown because we've kept the best and brightest in town, or we've been able to recruit the best and brightest from our rural communities. But that's not always going to be the case for Sioux Falls. It's not going to sustain our growth or our employment. So we need to invest in all of the children growing up in Sioux Falls with cradle to career development, making sure they hit milestones, making sure they have their hierarchy of needs met. So things like housing, food, transportation, safety. And it's really inspiring to see the work that Thrive does to reach out into the community and give these kids chances and opportunities and help families and help groups that help the families with things like housing. There's a nonprofit. Um, well, through there was a grant um, through East River Legal Services last year that prevented nine families from getting evicted from their homes. I just, I think most people mm-hmm. have no idea how um, pervasive homelessness is, how many homeless kids there are in Sioux Falls, how many times a child goes to school in the morning and wonders where they're going to sleep that night. And how are you supposed to learn? And how are you supposed to deal with all and the thrive. life throws at you, right? Yeah. If you're like, gosh, mom's going to pick me up in the car. And I guess that's where we might be sleeping tonight. And how are you supposed to take a test if you didn't get a good night's sleep? I mean, just these real basic things. And these children are our next generations of you and me and attorneys and business leaders and bankers. And like, 
we have to invest in the child, all of the children in Sioux Falls, not just the children who are lucky to come from families with the financial means to give them opportunities. So I love that a lot. Um, I'm also involved with Sioux Falls Love It, um, which I also love, which their goal is to bring the community together through music with 50 free concerts coming up this summer. And I love that too, because that's all about building entertainment and culture in parts of town where people um, may not have been exposed to it. Everyone is welcome. There is no VIP seating, you know, walk over and you can sit next to anyone and everyone gets to just enjoy a free night. Um, and I love the diversity of the music that they bring in. And um, I, I love all of the community outreach that they're doing too. So, and I, I love anything that makes Sioux Falls a place where kids are going to want to hang around. And so I love that, like, my kids love to go to love it. My parents love to go to love it. I love to go to love it. Yes, absolutely. It's, every night is better when I go there. So I'm excited for those concerts <laughs> this summer too. Oh, I think we're all excited for summer and let's add some music and great, great concerts to that as well. So tell me about, um, you know, we're talking about empowering um, kids, but how about you? Um, did you have any mentors? Did you have a mentor? It's like, hey, this person was really important to me at this time in my life and and what might they have taught you? I've been lucky to have a lot of mentors um, throughout my life, whether it's teachers in high school or college, at my job, um, at my career. I've had a lot of mentors here at Kello, which has been really fortunate. I've also sought out a lot of mentors. I think, I think that's important too. Yes, especially women um, business leaders. I find particularly fascinating because a lot of the, the women I've chosen to be my mentors are people who've had to struggle, you know, who for sure, um, you probably can relate to this too. A lot, I've been at a lot of meetings where I'm the only woman at the table. And that's fine. Like, yep, it's fine. You know, yeah. I'm very comfortable. It's, it's in that what it is. But I think, it, you know, and of course, um, raising a family that brings a whole other challenge. And then having a supportive husband is really important. And I absolutely um, I just feel like we are able to do what we're able to do because of the women who came before us and the work that they did. And I think their obstacles were more challenging than some of, I mean, of course it's hard for everyone, but I, I really do. Um, I love talking to women who have come before me and the lessons that they've learned. And then I really try to pay it forward and mentor young women as well, because I, I just, I don't know. I, I love women. I love my girlfriends and um, I love learning from uh, the women who've come before me. I think there's, there is so much to learn. There's so many different ways to look at the world. I love also interacting with uh, some amazing professional women, as well as entrepreneurs and seeing what their struggles are. And it's like, we are not so different or taking that knowledge and maybe that'll be helpful in the future. What can I learn from them um, versus do I think I know everything? Absolutely not. And what, you know, what kind of, um, I don't know. I'll just be a human sponge. I tell people sometimes I'm just going to be a human sponge. Whatever happens to stick is is just perfect. So I love that. I was listening to um, a pod, a different podcast last week, and she said she likes to consider herself to be a whale. So she takes it all in and then she pushes out the things she doesn't need. Yes. <laughs> it's like krill. I don't know. I don't. I, my marine biology friends are not very. Um, 
up to par, but she was just talking about like, she was talking about all the things she was reading and all the information yep. she was taking. In, and she's like, I just take it all in. And then what doesn't serve me, I push it back. Out. Yes. Yes. But even to just like education in a way, you might not have used this or this or this or this class from this, but the, the collaborative whole ultimately ends up leading you to a better place and makes you a more worldly, I'll say smarter, yes, more educated person. Um, but I, I kind of look at that as, as the meaning of the minds too. It's like, yes, take what you want, but you never know what's going to stick and what's not and what you're going to you know, look back at at a future date that could be helpful in your new situation. Absolutely. And I love it. Like when you just find a little gem, you know, like when you least expect it, it, I think that's really good. I also think it's really good to just stay curious. That's my favorite personality traits. I, I try to be it. I think I have it. And I look for that too, when we hire people, but also like in friends, um, in anywhere in life, I just think curiosity is a really great quality. And so, right. And that, that quest for learning, whether it's professional improvement or personal improvement or development or never done, no, never done. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of, um, curiosity, um, you know, you travel, you've traveled a lot and what, uh, what are some of the things that you feel that travel has given to you? That's either helped you personally or in your professional world. Travel is my favorite. <laughs> I love it so much. Every what does it, I, what does it do for you? What's your, I why? Think just that um, getting out of the comfort level is real, really good. I think seeing um, different ways that people do things is interesting. It's just so good for my mind to think, but whether it's, you know, thinking of a new route on how to get somewhere, thinking of something that was created a long time ago, or even if it's just looking out at the ocean and thinking about the vastness of the world, I just travel. Every time I travel, I'm like, God, I should just like sell my house. (laughs) Why why can't I just travel around the world and just travel all the time? Although I do love coming home too. But um, yes, yeah, I, I think all of the things and I love sharing travel with people too, whether it's friends or my family, um, I love experiencing new things together and mm-hmm. all that unexpected stuff that happens when you take a trip is some of my favorite parts too, because I'm such a planner. So then it's really fun to just have those <laughs> moments that you those things that you can't plan for. Yeah. But what I say is that if you didn't try to plan for them, you wouldn't be able to, you know, maybe bob and weave as well if you hadn't Absolutely. planned as much as you had. I'm not giving up planning for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so where's your next plan trip? Um, I think, well, so we have to do college visits for my daughter this summer. So that'll be somewhere, um, probably East coast. And then my son is doing the Disney college program in the fall. And so we are working on the logistics to get him down there this summer too, to get him into his. Oh, I can't, I can't wait to hear hear more about that. It'll be super fun. So with all this stuff of doing, uh, you know, there's Beth as, as news director, there's Beth as mom, there's Beth as community leader, um, Beth as mentor. Um, what, what, who is Beth? What motivates and inspires you? Who is Beth? <laughs> like deep. what makes it, what makes you just like, like happier? You know? Yeah. This no. is what fills, this is what fills your, fills your bowl, fills your bucket. People, I think relationships are what fill my cup. I think um, whether it's at work and connecting with 
the amazing people that I get to work with, whether it's my family, my friends. I love like something, even visiting with you like this, not even, but I mean, <laughs> especially when we get to visit, I just, I'll leave and I just always feel so good and so full and so happy. And I do think that's part of what has kept me in Sioux Falls is I just know how special the people are here and the relationships that I've worked on. I, and I was telling my husband the other day, I, for a long time, I felt like um, my female friendships were something that I hadn't focused a lot on between getting married and then raising kids. And, you know, you kind of, I was really happy to make friends as I went along on their activities, but now they're getting older and I'm not spending as much time with them. I just, I really love investing in my girlfriends and that's something that I value a lot. That'll be much more intentional. I'm sure in the next, in the next few years as you do that, but that's just it with anything you you have to be intentional or it doesn't happen. You do kind of have to make that planning and and make it happen. Um, Otherwise it's like, yeah, we'll get together sometime. Absolutely. I know (laughs) even, even when you mean it, you know, yes, you do truly from the heart mean it. (laughs) So next time you say that to me, I'll be like, Hmm, does she know? No. With you, I always mean it. With you, I always <laughs> want to get together. Oh, well, thank you for that. That makes me feel really good. Um, so let's move. Um, one of my, you know, as we're kind of wrapping this up, so I, I feel like we should we should be wrapping this up, but um, what are your personal techniques for seeing yourself better and seeing the world better? What is your art of seeing clearly? Oh, that's a good question. I know I've listened to your, <gasps> I asked, a, I asked not a good one at the beginning, but a really no, good one at the end. <laughs> that's a good, really good one. But I, so, but I, how do you do that for you and, and you know, your own, you know, Beth's art of seeing clearly, how do you do that for you? Um, I think I'm, I check in on myself a lot. And some of that is like when I, I I'm a big um, morning walker. I love to get up and, um, walk around my neighborhood or on the golf course before it opens and just really like take stock of my life and what my priorities are for the day. Um, It's a great stress relief. It's a great perspective. You know, you can be really stressed about something and then go for the walk. It's like, oh, okay. I feel better when I get back. Um, I think constantly checking in with myself that way. And then I think, um, again, like investing in those relationships with people who invest back in me is really such a gift because then they'll help you see life clearly too. I I think surrounding yourself with fans and friends and really, um, you know, I'm, I, I hope I'm my friend's biggest fans. I hope they're my biggest fans. And so surrounding yourself with people who are going to help you be the best version of yourself, I think is the best, the best thing you can do. I love that. And I love you. So this is, <laughs> this has been, this has been fabulous, Beth. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with me on and teaching us your art of seeing clearly. Thanks so much for having me. This has been so much fun. I could, I could just keep going forever. So, <laughs> That's a gift. but we can't. But we can't. We, we have we have other things to get onto, right? Obviously, yes, yes, yes. <laughs>